from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! What is going on, everybody? It is Monday night here on the OBR Streaming Network. That means it's time for OBR Unscripted. I'm Mike. He is Andrew. And I had a whole, Andrew, I had a whole list of things. Yeah. A whole list of things that I was ready to come in here to talk about. Yeah. A whole whole group of things that I was getting ready to come in here and talk about. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And over the last hour. Yeah. Yeah. What happened, Mike? has changed. It's it's changed, Andrew. What happened, Mike? It's changed. Yeah. It's changed. And now we got more stuff to talk about. Yeah. We've got good. We've got scary. Uh Uh-huh. We've got standard, typical. Yeah. And so much more. So Andrew, we got, we got a show, we got a show here. It's chock full, Mike. Uh, my understanding, I, I was reviewing Twitter briefly before I joined here. My understanding is that, uh, every Browns player left injured. And that includes some, some players that I believe are not in the league anymore. I, I think I heard, I heard Josh Grimms Otto, took a bad one. Yeah. Otto Graham went off on a cart, I think. So not what you want to hear in training camp is you don't want to lose Otto Graham. No, no, you can't. You can't. How do you come back from that? Maybe that wasn't right. the right example. So, so yeah, I think that's what you're referring to about the news. It is. It is. Yeah. There, there was a lot of news about injuries. There was a lot of news about that. And we are going to get to that more. I think we're going to get to it uh, pretty immediately. But I do want to have a quick conversation. And again, welcome into everybody joining us here on OBR Unscripted. Uh, if you're joining us live here tonight, jump in the chat, jump in the comments. If you're joining us on Twitch, YouTube, thank you for joining us. Be a part of the show. Uh the last 10 minutes or so of the show, we will get to questions uh, that you guys might have that you want to talk about. Uh, but, Andrew, the thing I wanted to start with is the this last weekend, we got to hang out a little bit. Yeah, in uh, real life, as they say, right? IRL. We were, we were real together. People yeah. Doing real we were, things. Yes. Multiple things, too. We, we not only went to the Browns preseason game, but we drank a beer and 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 ate a pretzel beforehand so a beer one beer (laughs) well you know what i mean it's a it's an expression it's a fair (laughs) yeah but yeah we we had a great time on friday night um we don't have to dig into all of the uh surrounding uh shenanigans that uh, uh you know uh led to my arrival being delayed and uh et cetera et cetera but uh we just suffice it to say that from when I saw you in the flats uh, before the game, uh, through when we walked out of the stadium together uh, at the end of the third quarter, I'll admit we didn't stay for the fourth quarter. Hell no. Uh, everything in that chunk of time was cool. So we'll just focus on those few hours. <laughs> yeah. So even, listen, we even had a- the lightning delay wasn't that bad because you're with good good friends. We had a great time. We were able to get together with so many people from the OBR. Me, Jake, Seth, who does all of our graphics. You know him as Wreck This League. He's amazing. Uh, Brad Ward. We ran into Fred Greetham down at the stadium. Just a a really, really cool time. Um, If you didn't know, if you need a little behind the curtain, uh, P.S. Surge, yes. Of course, there were a lot of IPAs. There was a lot of IPAs. The haziest IPAs you've ever seen. It was like drinking a Mm -hmm. pulpy orange juice. Del- alcoholic puppy orange juice you can't go wrong with that uh there were also several colch 73s in honor of joe thomas that's so, right yep those went down in fairness. um a little behind the curtains on andrew spade <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh oh. And then we and then we he just froze. He he teases that and then he freezes. Oh boy. Something. Oh, where'd I go? Where'd I go? Yeah, you just locked up. Am I back? Am I back? Am I back? Yeah, you're back now. Yeah. All right. uh, Hi, welcome to Hotel Internet again. (laughs) Um, Little known fact about Andrew Spade, as long as my internet will continue. Um, We had to get to the stadium at like gate open. Like gates open. Yeah. Get into the stadium. Why? Because Andrew Spade had to watch Cade York York warm up. I wanted to put my eyes on him. I wanted to see what the problem was. I wanted to diagnose it because. (laughs) So, so I want to give you a chance. I want to give you a chance, you know, through your thorough diagnosis Uh after one to several beers. Yeah. What'd you come up with? Well, here's the thing, Mike, is that he keeps missing when he kicks the ball (laughs) during the game. He keeps missing. And when he's not in the game, he keeps making them. And that's backwards. If you're going to miss. You want to do it during practice when it doesn't matter. And then during the game when it does matter, right between the pipes. This is the kind of hard-hitting information yep. that you can get only here on the OBR. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe to the OBR's website. Yeah. Subscribe yeah, yeah, to the yeah, streaming yeah. network because this is the kind of stuff we bring yeah. you on a nightly basis. You're not hearing this anywhere else. And I was shouting that at him from you know <laughs> row, row 20 for a half hour. Uh, and it didn't seem to help. So... You know, I, I'll say I did my part. Now, I think if everybody in the stadium was doing the same thing and screaming at the top of their lungs, don't miss kicks during the games, Cade, uh, that might help. But, you know, I, I don't know if a grassroots campaign is really what we want to, like, invest our time in right now. I, I just think, you know, big picture, make the kicks that you're supposed to make and things will be fine for you as a field goal kicker. All right, so let's be serious here for a minute because the first thing I did want to talk about before the last hour went down, yeah. And so I'm still going to do it because I'm stubborn as hell. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the kicking. I want, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the it's like the hot button topic with the Browns right now. And so you've got this, you've got these two warring factions because you can't have Browns conversations without two warring factions of fans, right? Naturally, the this doesn't matter, kickers don't matter. I don't want to hear it. Crowd versus right. the oh my gosh, look at all the games they lost by one possession last year. Crowd and here we are. Um, yep. So I want to start with this because I, you know, what we have seen in the past. We, I feel like this is the story we've seen. Yeah, we saw. I feel like we're watching Zane Gonzalez all over again. Yep, a kid you drafted, a kid that came in with all these, you know, high expectations that this is the next big thing out of out of college to come in and be a kicker, and. Do we maybe not give enough credit? Because it seems to me, Andrew, that kickers are one of the positions where it takes almost just as long as any other position to, like, adjust. Like, we see a lot of young kickers come in out of college, even if they're not drafted. Yeah. We see a lot of young kickers come in out of college and struggle for a couple years. And then you see these guys, like I'm I'm seeing these guys that are free agents now, the list of free agents. And I remember like early in their careers, they were like nothing. And there's a lot of really good kickers in the league that early in their careers were like, eh. And then over time, they developed into good kickers. Like, is that just another notch on the why you shouldn't draft a kicker uh, thing? Because yeah. I think it, I think, I don't think we talk about adjustments for kickers enough. Yeah. Well, you nailed it, Mike. And I think the part of it is that it, it, it's not only that they are, uh, they take a while to adjust to kicking in the NFL. I think it's also that they had, it, it takes a while to uh, for, for for them to to be comfortable with the pressure of it, right? And 
that's it's a little bit different than that. I think there is a there's a technical aspect, right? Kicking in NFL stadiums is I I do think is harder. I think kicking the NFL ball is a little harder. So I think there's that part of the adjustment. I also think that it's just the the psychological adjustment. Some kickers undergo that adjustment at the beginning. The weird thing about Cade is that he was eight for eight and then terrible. You know, that's kind of the reverse of how you would expect it to go. And, um, you know, if, if he had been bad early last year and was improving, this isn't a conversation we're even having right now. But the problem right. is that he started out fine and then found a funk and it, it continues. Right. And so the concern now is, you know, put, put, put quite simply, they're playing the entire division in the first four weeks. You cannot afford to have Cade York lose you one of those football games. And he lost the Browns games last year. And it was like, well, that's not great, but he's a rookie and he'll work through it. But it's very different when you're a sophomore. You know, you've had a, a full season. You've seen how it works. You're back now, uh, you know, and these sorts of things should be ironed out. And I don't think that there's really a reason for the Browns, if he doesn't start making kicks in game situations between now and you know, the, the end of the Kansas city game in two weeks, I don't think there's any reason for the Browns to let him kick uh week one against Cincinnati. And listen, we're getting some great comments here in the chat. Uh, Eco OBR. You have to have patience with place kickers. Dawson took a few years and then Philly responded and said, Dawson early on was automatic from inside 45. But if you remember Phil Dawson early in his career, if you asked him to go out for more than like a 40 yarder, it was an adventure. Yeah. He like he hit a kick. I mean, it might have been that first year against the the Steelers. Like you asked him to kick a fifty yarder, and it was like every inch of leg that he had. Yep. So I also think I think the expectation and the kicking game has just changed so dramatically over the last fifteen to twenty sure. years. Sure. Now, if you're going to be a if you want to be a really good kicker in the NFL, you need to be able to hit a sixty yarder when called upon. That's like unheard of. Yeah, unheard of yeah. for years. But I think it also adds, you know mentally to these kids that come in that are younger, I think it adds just another layer of pressure to the kicking position. Yeah. And again, again, I don't, I think a lot of people think the kicking position doesn't matter, but when they, when they are relied upon for points, whether you like to talk about it or not, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, these people are relied upon to put points on the board in a league that even the worst teams are usually pretty close in their games. Yeah. It's important. It is important. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't give away three point opportunities at three points. And both games so far that the Browns have played in, those are makeable kicks. Those aren't outside of 50. Those are mm-hmm. in you know, those are in the in the area where he should be making those kicks. One of them is at your home stadium. Um, so there's not an excuse, you know. And I think, you know, to to go back to the sort of philosophical conversation here. This the reason this is the reason why you don't draft a kicker in the fourth round is because now there is pressure on him to pan out for you uh in a way that there isn't if you don't draft him. Right. Yes. And and that pressure is palpable for him and for the organization. Uh the what I'm seeing a lot in the comments is we don't have time, you know, to to wait around uh and find out if we have a kicker. That's, That's right. true. And yeah. so th- so so then when you think about it from a team building perspective, they've put themselves in a position where they almost have to wait around. Now, I, I think they are pragmatic enough to understand that they can't allow this to be an issue through the regular season. And so they will make a change if he doesn't show, you know, the the sort of uh, change of direction that they need. But um, 
it's a position that they shouldn't have put themselves in because there are every year available veteran kickers that have already gone through this phase of their career and are out on the other side. Let somebody else be the team that, you know, spends a draft pick on a kicker and then has to go through this three, three year roller coaster. Let another team do that. You be the team that picks them up on the rebound. I mean, we talk about Zane Gonzalez. Zane Gonzalez is with the 49ers mm-hmm. and they they drafted a kicker in the third round this past draft. So Zane Gonzalez is probably going to be a free agent here in two weeks. So, you know, to me, there's no more fitting way for this to end than to circle around and end up <laughs> oh, right no. back where you started by bringing Zane Gonzalez back in. I'm still not over that game. He cost us against the saints. I understand. Uh, Antonio Galloway caught that ball yeah. to Rod Taylor. Uh, we listen, there's so much to get to in this hour. Uh, yeah. Breaking news happening all over the place. The running back market heated up today. Ezekiel Elliott on his way mm-hmm. to the Pats. Just announced right now that Dalvin Cook on his way to the New York Jets. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. I want to get to that stuff a little bit later. But I'll say this to kind of wrap up the conversation on the kicker. Um, I think the pressure in the preseason is a good thing for this kid. I agree. I think we talked about, uh, who was it, in the comments was talking about him getting booed. Oh, Eco OBR uh, was getting booed. Schwartz and New York got booed unmercifully at the game. They did, and it was loud. We were there. Yeah. We were there, and it was loud. Yeah. And now now uh, it's it's to the point where they're getting Bronx cheers. Mm-hmm. And that is almost as bad as getting booed, right? Now it's to the point where when Cade York makes a kick, the place goes nuts. Yeah. Or Anthony Schwartz caught a ball in that game, and the place went ballistic. Yep. Uh, that's not good. So for me, the pressure of the fan base is now entirely on Cade York's shoulders. Yeah. I don't really care to talk about Anthony Schwartz all that much, but entirely on Cade Cade York's shoulders. So for me, I I feel like if I'm Andrew Barry, I'm not waiting. if, If I'm Barry and Stefanski in the front office, I'm not waiting. Get somebody in here to compete with Cade York. Now, make him feel the pressure now. And if he comes out in three weeks or whatever it is, if he comes out on top of the pressure and he wins a camp battle and he deals with all the noise from the fans and he's still the best guy for the job at the end of that, I feel like that'll relieve some of that pressure coming into the season. Like, all right, I got through all this. Now I just got to go kick. Whereas I feel like if you just coast into the season and say, hey, listen, it's your job. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to see them bring somebody else into camp. Uh, sooner than later to to make him think like, hey, I gotta I gotta step my game up. Agreed. I don't think that there's any excuse for the Browns to put themselves in the position where this kid is costing them games in the regular season. It's yeah, really that agreed. simple. Agreed. So Andrew got to thoroughly analyze the kicking situation for the Cleveland Browns <laughs> yeah. at the game. Uh, real quick before we get to the some of the stuff from camp from today, the joint practices going on out in Philadelphia where. Man, I there was a tweet that came out, Andrew, that has me so excited. Yeah, uh, because it's so different than what we heard last year right. at the practices. But we'll get there. Uh, but let's talk about a couple of any anything else that we want to talk about from the preseason game on Friday. Obviously, the Browns fell to the Washington Commanders. Who cares about the final score, seventeen fifteen? Uh, let's start with that that opening drive offensively. Yeah, uh, and let's start with the two things that most people are talking about. One the crispness and the explosiveness of that first team offense, specifically Deshaun Watson. Um, he's a problem in that pocket, isn't he? 
Like if you're a defender, yeah. he got he got square hit a yeah. couple times like, in that pocket and just well, got right out. The first time was was Chase Young. Uh, yeah, you know, Chase Young bounced off of him. So, you know, you talk about one of the differences between the uh, Baker Mayfield, for example, and Deshaun Watson. I know it's apples to oranges, but like it's worth remembering, right? That like when you're a bigger quarterback, that you can absorb a hit like that and turn it into forward momentum. He basically bounced off of him and used that momentum to escape the pocket. Uh, Baker Mayfield uh, is still down, uh, af- <laughs> you know, after a hit of a similar. Right, like he's he's holding both shoulders, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's. <laughs> it makes filming he, the next progressive progressive commercial really. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, just laying there. Right, exactly. Yeah, this is why you get insurance. And so, I I mean I I think uh, it it was an under like for me watching it live, I didn't fully understand what he was doing in the pocket. Yeah. Uh, you know, from from our vantage point, we were kind of at the other end of the stadium. It mostly I it was just like boy, they're getting a lot of pressure. But when you watch it back. Of course, it's the you know it's a Washington defensive line. It's a good defensive line. You understand they're they're pretty much you know man blocking across the board. There's no you know chip help or anything like that. Of course, those guys are going to win. You want to see the quarterback get through his progression, get the ball out, make a decision, and that's exactly what he did. He was on schedule on every play. And if yeah. you remember last season, that was a big uh, problem. Was the number of times that he wasn't seeing things and was even leaving the pocket late, right? That he wasn't, even when he scrambled, he was scrambling late. Yes. Which makes it harder to scramble effectively because that, you know, your, your, your lanes aren't as clear. You know, you don't have the ability to step up usually because somebody's looped back around underneath. It's it's really important if you are going to scramble to get out of there sooner before the team has a chance to kind of rally to you. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I thought effectively that first drive, I mean, yeah. you, you know what you got in certain areas. You know what Amari Cooper is going to be. But I thought the the uses of Elijah Moore, uh, you know, I know he left with a little rib injury that doesn't sound like it's serious at all. Uh, but the uses of him out of the backfield, he is just so reliable is, is yeah. what it seems throughout camp. Again, obviously, lots of people really liked him in New York. It never translated into success on the field. There could be a lot of reasons for that. But. Uh, it, it certainly seems early on with his career with the Cleveland Browns uh, that there's plenty of reasons to be excited about him. Uh, the uh, We got a question here from Mr. Robinson, and I tweeted about this. How loud yeah. was the Watson ovation? It was loud. Yeah. After that rain delay and the fans, <clears throat> yeah. and, and again, it was only a quarter full of that stadium, maybe. Yeah. There's nobody in the upper deck. I mean, yeah. it was after the rain and all that had moved through, yeah. it was when that offense took the field, it was really loud in there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 evidence that if you get a, an hour long rain delay on a Friday night in Cleveland, people are going to have a few sodas and kind of get get a little more into the game, that. you know. And so uh, there, yeah, there were a lot of people there that and I chicken, mean, those, yeah, exactly, and some <laughs> delicious chicken. Those preseason games, you know, that those tickets were cheap, right? Um, yeah. Like on the secondary market, and it's it. I, I don't mean this in any sort of a judgmental way you get a very different type of fan that shows up to a preseason game when the tickets are very cheap and they yep. tend to be louder. It's as simple as that, right? There's nobody, was. there was nobody in that lower bowl that was there uh, like for a corporate account or, you know, as, as, no. as some sort of sales junket or whatever, like the, uh, the people that were there were Browns fans. And so they were ready to get loud and cheer because yeah. th- I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of those fans are priced out of the stadium experience during the regular season, which is awful. Anyways, um, 
The other thing everybody was talking about after the first drive of the game was the execution in the red zone, especially the goal line uh, yep. when they got all the way down to the goal line. And then you saw them run a pretty slow developing fourth down play. And, uh, you know, I think the general can, well, I'll let you talk about it. Yeah. It, it didn't seem to worry any, all, all those of us that were at the game, you, me, Jake, Brad, Seth, didn't really seem to worry any of us. Uh, so talk yeah. about that and why that didn't really worry you. Well, the way I put it in, in a column that I wrote today is is red zone plays, touchdown scoring plays are currency. You know, you only have so many. You're not, you know, there are not infinite numbers of ways to de, to deceive a defense and end up, you know, scoring a touchdown. Like one of the reasons Andy Reid is one of the best NFL coaches uh, of all time, one of the best play callers of all time, is because his red zone packages are so strong week after week after week. It's always something creative, something that you're not expecting, and it usually ends up in like a guy walking into the end zone, right? So, but those are those are currency. You you don't have a ton of those. It's like me going through the toll booths on the way through West Virginia. Like you're scraping together every quarter you can find <laughs> in the car to make it through those cash only toll booths. Same thing this, here. Oh, Kevin, awful. Yeah, Kevin Stefanski's not going to spend any of his quarters against the against the Commanders in preseason, right? Those are all whatever he's got so far is in the bank. And it's ready for week one. So I, I, you know, I want them to be as vanilla as possible in those situations because if you spend one of your plays, it's spent. You don't get another chance to rep that. So uh, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like save it for when it matters. All right. Before we get off the game on Friday, let's just talk about any other guys that stood out. Obviously, just throwing out a couple names. DTR added fuel to the yep. We Love DTR fire uh, with just another really nice performance in that third quarter. We literally, I was going to leave at halftime. I should have left at halftime after the debacle <laughs> after the game. But I wanted to watch DTR play. It was worth yeah. it for that third yeah. quarter. Uh, Austin Watkins was a guy that uh, stood out in that game in a pretty big way. Uh, even a guy like Miller Forrestall, and then defensively, uh, Ronnie yeah. Hickman with the couple interceptions. So just uh, who, who else kind of stood out to you in that game of of uh, just guys that you thought, okay, maybe this is the kind of thing that gives them a leg up going through camp? Yeah. I, I First of all, before I, the first thing I want to say is as impressive as the first team offense was in the one drive, I, I think what the first team defense did over their first two drives was more impressive. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they gave up. 20 yards on nine plays uh, and, 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 you know, drew two holding penalties, one of which was in the end zone caused a safety. So uh, this is without miles Garrett. This is without Denzel Ward. This is without Grant Delpit. Uh, and they were dominant, right? They were, they were dominant. I know that the commanders do not have a good offense, right? They are not expected to be a good offense in this league, but that's what you should do to a bad offense is you should make it basically impossible for them to move the ball. And that's what the Browns did. Uh, Okoronkwo looked amazing. Yes. Looked downright unblockable. Uh, Zadarius Smith, you see there, had some nice rushes. Uh, J Jeremiah Wusukoromoa uh, had a highlight on a screen pass that he, he basically shut down for zero yards. And the thing that was most notable about that, I put this on Twitter over the weekend, uh, he's not... He's not going at the at the when the when the quarterback first looks at him. He's not immediately chasing the the running back. He's waiting that extra split second to confirm where the ball is headed. So he's not biting on a fake. He's not out of position early. He's patient. He's on his heels, and then he uses he he relies on his uh, superior athletic ability to dodge a block and then make a tackle for no gain. That sort of patience combined with explosion. 
We haven't seen that yet from JOK in the NFL. He has yeah. always been in a hurry and he's often been early or wrong. And that hurts you more than it helps you in the long run. That's now, if he, if he can marry uh, his athleticism with recognition skills, that puts this defense in a different position in terms of having a playmaker at the second level, you know, that can kind of feed on what the disruption at the, at the front uh, creates. Right. And so if a, if a, if a line, a, a running back tries to bounce it because miles Garrett's in the backfield, now here's JOK coming to clean it up with one of those patented, you know, take his legs out from underneath him tackle. So that I thought was really heartening what the, what the first team defense did without obviously it's most disruptive player. It was a it was a very disruptive defense already, even without Miles Garrett. So that bodes extremely well, and I think that'll bleed into what we talk about with with what happened in Philly this evening. Uh, other uh, real than quick, that, yeah, real you, quick, while you're yeah, sitting on ahead. the defense, please, Andrew, please. Uh, Philly wanted to call out Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, yeah. unmovable. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson is the kind of uh, there are some people who write about defensive tackles and they really focus on one statistic, and it, it usually right. has to do with pressures, <laughs> and it's it's. I think there's so many other things that a defensive tackle needs. There were a couple of plays, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, and actually Siaki Ika, I want to uh, shout out. Uh, he made a couple plays where he was getting double team blocked on a run, on a, on a zone run uh, inside. Yep. And he just swallowed those blocks and then swallowed the running back. Yeah. And that's the stuff. Yeah. It's not always about penetration. It's not always about getting pressures. It's can you either make life easier on a guy like JOK, which I think Tomlinson and, and, and Ika and, and now Shelby Harris jumps into the mix, can do. And, and, and then can you have those maybe two or three plays every game where, yeah, you don't need to fill up the stat sheet per se, but can you eat up a couple of blockers and then just make a wall in front of a running back and it looks like he's got nowhere to go? They both did that in this game. Yeah. They both did that in that game. And that I love that. That has been so sorely missing from the Browns. Yeah, it's the sort of dirty work that the Browns actually were not capable of doing that last year. Like they literally did not have a defensive tackle on the roster last year. Not one that could eat a double team. They not, not one, not one, not all season. And and you know, uh, and that's why but, Atlanta beats you when they only throw like four passes in that game. Precisely. That's, that's exactly why. right. That's exactly. They would not. This yep. exact situation they've got right now. Atlanta could never do what they did last year against the Browns to them Absolutely. with this situation. Yeah, right. That's why they did this. Yeah, they 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 fixed a a glaring weakness, and I think you know some of that credit is going to go to the scheme stuff and the way that they're being coached up now, as opposed to last year. I think the lion's share of the credit is the personnel moves that they made yes. to change to change their focus and and what they even are looking for from those guys. Yeah, as you said, uh, pressure rate is the only stat that really seems to matter when we're evaluating defensive linemen anymore. But um, you know, the 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 NFL is a simple enough game that if teams know that they can run for six yards of carry on you, they're going to do that because that's a free first down, right? There's yeah. there's six plus six is twelve, so you're not even getting the third down against the Browns. So that's it. The the smarter coaches like Arthur Smith said, uh, "Well, we've got Marcus Mariota; he's going to lose this game for us." So I guess we'll just go ahead and throw the Panther it. behind you. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. And I think that change, yeah. even though it's the preseason, that change is already visible in terms of just that there are players on the Browns roster at defensive tackle that have an ability to do that where there weren't last year. And you've got a wild amount of guys that can get pressure on the quarterback. I mean, you should be 
so vastly good and so highly ranked in the NFL at pressuring the quarterback that if you got a defensive tackle that can just eat blockers and that's really all he does, that is fine. That's good. Yeah. The other guys can, can get to the quarterback if you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't hurt. It's not, I'm not saying I don't want to see Ika get a sack here or there, but like, I don't need that to be his primary thing. Right. Right. They they have more specialization rather than a bunch of guys that can only get after the quarterback. And even yep. then, it's not as if Jordan Phillips is some, you know, uh uh I said yeah, it's is is that's not his name, it's Jordan Elliott. Uh there was. it's it's not as if he's some sort of uh you know massive pra- pass rush presence either, right? So right. They, they really did have the worst of both worlds last year. And I'll just say big picture on this defense. I know that we're a little bit out over our skis here, but I think it's worth reminding everybody that if the Browns' defense can be what we have thought that it could be, I mean, they, they were 11th in, in DVOA in 2021, right, for the season, and they finished strong. Um, if they can get back to that level, 12th to 8th, somewhere in there, the bar for the Browns' offense is so much lower for what they have to do on a game-by-game basis. I think we're optimistic about the Browns' offense, but you know, it, it's a new system for Kevin Stefanski to call. It's it's still going to be a new system for Deshaun Watson, even if a lot of it is stuff that he's done before. If the Browns can get some easy games where they only have to get to 24, you know, instead of the defense putting them in a position where they have to get to 30 or 35, that that could a- add two or three wins to their total over the course of the year. And I think it just really changes the expectation for this team if the defense can turn around that much that quickly. Hey, listen, we've said it forever, and it just never seems to pan out in Cleveland, but the more you can keep your offense on the field, the better it is. Put your offense on the field, get the defense off, and that is what they're trying to do. Again, I do want to call out, uh, guy has to be one of the players of the game, but Ronnie Hickman, uh, two interceptions, but as uh, group, hold on, 16. That took me a minute. Uh, But group 16 in their stupid Roman numbers. Um, uh says Hickman was all over the field. Listen, we've talked about the safety position. We've talked about Juan Thornhill, and we've talked about Grant Delpit and the role that he could play, and you bring in a really good vet like Rodney McLeod, mm-hmm. and the question has been, okay, who's the next guy? Who's going to yeah. be the next guy there? And you draft, or you don't draft Rodney Hickman. You bring him in as an undrafted free agent, even though we were all calling for him in like the fourth round. Right. Uh, and... He's showing something. I mean, mm-hmm. he certainly is a major part of that discussion. Yeah, he is. I think the Anthony Bell played another good game. Um, I don't think he's going to go quietly. I think he's he's a, a good player, and I think made this team on the merits last year. Uh, you know, as the fourth safety. So I, I, I like both of those guys. I think it's it's probably a two way competition between those two players. Now that you know Bubba Bolden uh, suffered an injury in the game and got waived, so I think it's it's Hickman or or Bell for that spot, and I'm. Right now, I'm comfortable with either. It all honestly, it'll probably come down more to special teams, but you do wonder how much Andrew Barry maybe puts his thumb on the scale a little bit because Ronnie Hickman might have developmental potential down the road uh, in a way that yeah. maybe they don't see that happening for DeAnthony Bell. You know, DeAnthony Bell went to West Florida. Uh, Hickman went to Ohio State, so that matters a little bit in terms of just sure. like what you've seen, what you've done uh, in the in the football world. It does it does matter. It does matter. Yeah, for sure. It's not to say somebody couldn't no. succeed from small. They do it all the time, but certainly yep. pedigree can help. Um, all right, let's get off the preseason game again. The Browns 
They fall to the commander 17 15. Uh, they had a chance at the end for a two point conversion, didn't get it. Uh, but Andrew, before we leave the game, just final thoughts on the game. What's the biggest thing you learned from the game on Friday night? Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. I think it's the defense thing. Um, you know, I, I think that look to me is, you know, one of the questions we had coming out of the Hall of Fame game was the the first team, I'll say first team, right, because it was the really the second string, but the first guys that were out there through the first half in, in Canton, they looked a little sluggish and they looked a little bit, uh, you know, unreliable. They're facing Zach Wilson, and they gave up some plays and uh you know you remember there was that long pass down the left sideline that they gave up and um there were just you know there's some drives where it felt like they could have got off the field and they didn't and it felt like okay well this doesn't look like as much of a change as i wanted to see then in the second half we saw some of the younger players some of the udfas running around out there you know with their hair on fire um, making plays hitting hard and so the question i was asking was which one of those is going to look more like you know, which one of those is the first team defense going to look like? I think through two series against Washington, we got our answer. They look uh, very motivated, highly energetic, and very aggressive. And that means that the Jim Schwartz message is coming through. Because the, the biggest difference between Joe Woods and Jim Schwartz, we can talk about like they like different types of coverages. The biggest difference is that Jim Schwartz preaches aggressiveness and Joe Woods didn't. That's the biggest difference. And the biggest question for the Browns is how long does it take to change that mindset? Because I think we all know whether it's football or another walk of life, when you have done something a certain way for three years, it can be hard to change your attitude and go from being very passive to being very aggressive. Uh, you know, that, that happens all over the world in terms of just different, it's a different mindset to try and anticipate a problem rather than reacting to a problem. And so, um, I think seeing that proof that limited a little bit of proof, I think that really, uh, to me, that sets the table that I think if they can do that sort of thing consistently on an effort basis, it really changes the way this defense plays because the biggest problem ultimately with this defense over the past three years is when you get them into a, you get the, the offense into a third and 20, you get them into a predictable pass situation, and then you just kind of sit back and let it happen to you. That's not going to happen anymore, and I really am starting to believe that that's not going to happen anymore because we're seeing it. Shout out. Uh, you might have seen it in the comments there. OG Philly, though, five gifted subs, man. I love it when you guys do that. Thanks, Thank Philly. you, OG Philly. Thank you. Appreciate you, as always. Uh, listen, last thing I'll say to wrap it up, I think the thing that I walked away with is, especially with the younger guys, it's always just a good, fresh reminder. It's always good to do this, that you don't go too high with guys and you don't go too low with guys because after the Hall of Fame game, we got Randy Moss saying Cedric Tillman's the best wide receiver that's come out of college in like and forever. And yeah, I'll take we got, Chase. we got just, oh, you know, we had all this stuff. Cedric Tillman played a really rough game uh, yeah. on Friday night. Mm -hmm. And that's not, it's, it, we're not going low. We're not going high. You got to stay in the middle with these guys. 
There's yeah. just development. Guys have to guys have to like grow into their roles and grow into the NFL. Uh, and and you saw an explosion with a guy like Hickman. You got to let these guys develop. Don't go too high or too low. That that was my biggest takeaway. I I loved what I saw out of the starters. I loved. Uh, I will say the one starter that caught my eye going back and watching it again more than any other was um, I forgot how fun a very healthy Wyatt Teller is. Yeah. Uh, but very healthy Wyatt Teller. I think sometimes we forget how uh, much yeah. of a mauler he is. Yeah. Uh, especially last year when he just wasn't healthy. Yeah. Uh, but man, he was beating guys up out there. Uh, this offensive line uh, just in general, the way they gel. I mean, you got guys, you got guys, you got Whipler coming off of blocks to finish other guys' blocks and like chucking guys to the ground. And and just, I, I loved watching the offensive line again. Um, but again, when it comes to the young guys, let them grow into their roles and don't go high or low on any of them because it's probably how the year is going to be. I bet you we see a, it would not surprise me at all to see a six catch, 100 yard game out of Cedric Tillman this season. Mm-hmm. And then it wouldn't surprise me to see him combine over two weeks for three catches it just is what it is so yeah, that's how it is with um, definitely yep uh all right uh let's move on because the news that has come out today and again we're going to take the last we'll do this for about 15 minutes we'll take the last 10 minutes and just get questions we've i've got a quest, couple questions i want to go back to but um let's talk about about 5 36 o'clock rolls around today and we start getting ding 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 and all this stuff starts happening and yeah. it's stuff that immediately feels like a gut punch until you realize we don't have to overreact to everything. Um, couple injuries, yeah, couple injuries, a couple that don't sound like they're anything uh, to be concerned about. I uh, Denzel Ward left practice uh, apparently with an illness, uh, so doesn't sound like anything to be super concerned about. Miles Garrett left practice. What was it? Somebody stepped on the back of his heel or the back yeah, of his like leg that. or something like yeah. that. He, but he's. They said he was fine. Uh, but he left practice just precautionary reasons. I think the one that got a lot of people's uh, feathers ruffled a little bit, but Jack Conklin, uh, did I read that he had to be carted off? No, he walked in. He walked in. Oh, that's right. He walked in with trainers. Um, but a couple big, big name, big name players walking off the field yeah. for the Browns today as they start their joint practices in Philadelphia. Um, can we just not do this anymore? Can we? Yeah, just stop I mean, that. and it was it was over the course of about five minutes that it all happened. So right. Uh, oh, that's right. Conklin was a concussion. That's right. Oh, is that right? Okay, we know that already. Well, they're well, they're they're checking him for a concussion. Right, that's, right, 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 right. Yeah, but that's that's what we know. Yeah, even in the worst case scenario, that's that's manageable for week one, which is all that matters, right? Um, yeah, no, I mean it's you know they have. We've talked a little bit about kind of the journey they've been over the past few weeks uh, with injuries where there weren't any, they were doing a really good job of keeping everybody healthy. And then they sort of had a, about this time last week, they had sort of a rash of injuries during that, that rainy practice in Berea. Um, you know, there's the Jerome Ford injury and uh, Drew Forbes got carted off during that practice. And they were starting to pile up where they had, you know, they had like 12 guys at one point and they had to release a few guys for, with injuries from the hall of fame game. Obviously, Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas are missing a fair amount of time. So, it, but it was always guys that were kind of depth guys, edge of the roster guys. Uh, these sorts of names going off in quick succession, even if it turns out that they're fine a little bit later, I don't. I don't honestly. I, we might disagree on this. I don't consider it an overreaction. If Miles Garrett leaves the field 
for with an injury for any at any point for any reason i don't think there's a way in which you can react that would be an overreaction right like yeah i mean fair. maybe don't sell your house you know maybe don't like you know wreck wreck your car in traffic but like <laughs> i mean i mean don't do that anyways right exactly like the browns defense i think is going to be good this year but a browns defense without miles garrett we have seen it from time to time we already brought up the atlanta game uh he is so central to what they do defensively that it totally changes their game plan and their outlook for the season if he were to miss any time let alone significant time so you know that one specifically you know conklin it's like okay well you know that's kind of baked in a little bit for him at this point in his career like he's going to miss he's probably not playing 17 games this year uh just being realistic um you know denzel ward same thing tends to miss a little bit of time garrett was the one where you you, like i said it does not matter the context anything like that your heart just is in your mouth immediately so um uh i yeah i just i that one kind of got me in a different way where i was like i don't think i can go live and do a brown show if i don't know miles garrett's okay like i think we would just have to sit here (laughs) with video rolling of us just looking at our Twitter feeds like that. I think that's what that would be. Somebody because, tell me he's all right. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, lie to call me. Me. that's fine. Lie to me. Call me. Yeah, I don't care. You just have to, you can lie. That's fine. I just need to know he's okay. No, nah, they were. So, so the, the, the good news is there were reports after the game that Miles Garrett was walking around barefoot, uh, just signing autographs for fans out there. Uh, yeah. So again, doesn't seem like anything super significant, but you know, hopefully, hopefully those are the things where you got away with a couple. Right. Uh, and um, maybe it just creates a little bit more sense of, hey, let's just, you know, let's make sure we're watching ourselves. You know, I it's always a thing in football. You don't, if, you pl- if you're playing not to get hurt, you're probably going to get hurt. So you got to yep. be careful yep. with that. You can't pull it back too much. But uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully those are the only scares we get. It was supposed to be a fun day. You got Greg Newsom back uh, out there practicing. Yep. Uh so, you know, that was supposed to be fun, but instead we get we get hit with these little uh little shockers. Mm. But I think we're all right. I think we're okay. Uh the thing that I loved, and I want to go back sure and, and make sure I read this correctly. Yeah, uh, but uh it was I think it's Elliot Shore Parks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which by the had, way, let's just contextualize this. Like this is the same guy that was on the weekend complaining publicly about the timing of the practices, trying to blame that on the Browns when it was the Eagles that set the times for the practices. Uh, yeah, he covers the Eagles. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and and he had yeah. a tweet this weekend where he's like, I cannot believe that these practices are starting at 5 p.m. The Browns, in parentheses, a poorly run franchise, uh, must have set this, you know, and then it's like okay. everybody in the the responses are just, nope, the Eagles decided this. Ken Carmen had the best response, though. He, he basically just said, no one cares. Shut up and do your job. No one cares. Go to work. You know, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, anyway, go ahead. So he covers the Eagles. He's uh, an interesting feller. Yeah. Uh, but here's his tweet that he throws out there. If you want something to get you excited, this yeah. is coming from an Eagles guy. I have the Browns defensive line down with six sacks so far versus Hertz and the first team offense might be one to two more that were close. Rough day for the Eagles offense. And and more context, that's the Eagles' offensive line. Yeah, right. Which widely is widely con- widely considered to be the best offensive line in football, top five for sure. Yep. Uh, 
also then said a little bit later said uh eagles versus browns uh practice verdict surprised how much the offense struggled uh didn't get much of anything going had one to two deep completions but honestly i think there were sacks in a game uh hurts didn't have much time to work from the pocket so listen uh it was on a um he was one one of chops things on twitter one of the things but he had deshaun watson on it. and deshaun talked about it he said he was there for those Eagles practices last year. He took part in those Eagles practices last year. And it was clear from those practices. And this week has been circled on my calendar since I heard Deshaun Watson talk about this. It was clear from those practices with the Browns and the Eagles last year that the Eagles were just on another level. Mm-hmm. That they were just on another level. And so here we are after everything the the Browns put us through over the last 12 months. <laughs> yep. And, and this was the time. All right, let's get back in there and, and see how the Browns stack up against a team who is the favorite in the NFC again. Right. Everybody's pick to come out of the NFC uh, to go back to a Super Bowl is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's see how the Browns stack up. And when you read those two tweets on day one of that practice, that just seems like you don't want to read too much into it. It doesn't really mean anything. Uh, except for that is a very, very different situation than what we were hearing about this time last year. Well, I mean, yeah, you caveat everything from the beginning of training camp through opening day with, you don't want to get too excited. You can't take too much away from this. Don't read too much of it. Everything is that right. Well, yeah, you don't want to, cause I don't want to sound like an idiot. (laughs) No. And I agree with you, Mike. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. (laughs) Having said that, if there is anything in that six, seven, eight week span that actually is meaningful, it is that it, because this is the only true ones on ones with everybody present and everybody participating. And, and because it's closed to fans and the media has a very limited vantage point is they're actually running their shit. They're not, you know, they are not uh, right. watering stuff down the, you know, that is meaningful. It, and, and so it, it, it's not the be all end all. You can you can win these practices and have a terrible season. The Browns did it in 2019 with Freddie Kitchens, uh, but it, it, of the two options, where they come out and look flat like they did last year and get dominated by the Eagles, or they come out and you know go head to head with the Eagles and maybe even come out on top, that's the one you're choosing. Well, and and to go on with that last tweet by Elliot Shore Park said, surprising how the Browns seem to be the more energized team. Last year in Cleveland, it was the Eagles. The Browns came into practice, fired up. You don't read too much into the play-by-play of the practice, per se. But what I will tell you is, here's what I learned listening to when Deshaun was on that Twitter space with Chops. What I learned was that stuck with him. He was talking about it. I don't know when was that around the draft, around the draft time. It was maybe yeah, it was April, like March, April, draft, something like that. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He was later. thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. It was it was in his head that last year when we practiced against the Eagles, you could see how much better they were than us. So while you don't want to take the play by play so literally or or, or get too yeah. crazy about that, right. you know, here's what I know: coming out of this, if the Browns can do this all week. It doesn't mean dominate the Eagles all week. The Eagles are a really good football team. They're going to they're gonna have good plays and good times and bad times and all that stuff. But if you can leave this week of practice against the Eagles feeling like, as a team, 
okay, we are every bit as good as that team. Yep. If you can leave feeling that way, wow, we just competed with them. And man, we kicked their butt a whole lot. Maybe we got our butts kicked a little bit. We kicked their butt a lot. Uh, that can be an awesome springboard going into the season. Right. Yeah, you're building. That can, you're that building, can be exactly right? what you want yeah. this joint practice to accomplish. That's what you want right. to accomplish yeah. in this joint practice. And you could get there. And it, it seems like after day one, you're on your way. Yes, you're absolutely right, Mike. They, yeah, that's a, that's the right way to put it. They they have been building for a long time now, right? I mean, you think think back. They opened camp on the 22nd in West Virginia, right? That's right. You know, that's 25 days ago already. We're closing in on a month of training camp, and we're still three and a half weeks away from the opener. So they always knew that this training camp was going to be an extended. Every training camp is a grind. This is like a mega grind. This is like two grinds you know, for the price of one. Right. Um, and, and there were fence, there were sort of signposts along the way. The trip to West Virginia was one going to the hall of fame. That whole thing was, was two, you know, then trying to have like a somewhat normal week leading into the Washington game was three. This is four, you know, and, and after this, it, it I mean, you know, you're, they're going to play the chiefs, but I, I don't know even how much that's going to matter. I think, you know, it, it remains to be seen how much starters are going to play in that. No, game. Stefanski said no starters. Well, not that that's against the Eagles, right? I'm talking about next week in Kansas City. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yep. Sorry. But my, my point is just that I think this is, for all intents and purposes, this is the high water mark of the preseason. And from here, it'll be about getting guys healthy, probably getting more game plan specific as you lead into a very important week one divisional game against Cincinnati. Uh, so, so this really is sort of the crescendo of the preseason, such as it is. And yeah, you want these these practices today and tomorrow to land to go well even if it is even uh you know and 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 things are are matched uh because it sounds like the offense really struggled at times against the eagles defense you can accept that if it's not you know both sides got blown off the ball didn't seem that interested in right there, that sort of thing if if it's if it's even and back and forth you can accept that considering who they're practicing against. If they yeah. were out there doing a, a joint practice with the Arizona Cardinals and the reports were that it was even, you know, we, we would just go ahead and start playing the fiddle like the folks on the Titanic, right? I mean, that would be the end of it. So, like, it's the Eagles. They're, they gave the Chiefs everything they could handle in the Super Bowl not that long ago, and the roster is pretty much intact. So being on the same level as them, that's all you can hope for. All right, we're going to get to, so uh, what we want you to do, if you're joining us live in the chat, if there's things you have questions about, we're going to do like a rapid fire question thing to end the show. But uh, so start firing those into the chat. Anything you guys want to talk about, we'll try to get to as many of them as we can. While we do that, Andrew, is speaking of rapid fire, let's rapid fire a couple of things from around the NFL uh, today. Yeah. And let's start with that news about um, Dalvin Cook to the New York Jets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it's an interesting thing considering that, they had big hopes for Brees Hall, and now you're bringing yeah. in Dalvin Cook, who yeah, it's a it's a full room. You know they've got Michael Carter in there who can play a little bit. Um, you know they had they had uh, looked at some other guys as well. Ended up you know with Dalvin Cook, who I think still has something. You know I don't think that he's a non-factor certainly. So it it, it you know it's going to improve that team. Um, you know after watching the first episode of Hard Knocks last week. Uh, my entire focus on the Jets is just basically um, if Aaron Rodgers can stay out of his own way. And I, I, my personal belief is that neither Robert Sala nor Nathaniel Hackett are strong enough personalities 
to stand up to him and tell him no. So that means that for better or worse, the Jets are going to get uh, the Aaron Rodgers offense, and and there are some strengths to that, uh, and there are some some weaknesses to that. And I think you know overall, that's where the Packers were at the end of the Mike McCarthy era. That's why they moved on from Mike McCarthy, and those were some of Aaron Rodgers' lesser seasons in the NFL. And I think that's what I'm expecting. Uh, now, you know, I've, I'm wrong a lot, so don't, you know, bet, bet any money on this. But my expectation is that Dalvin Cook, no Dalvin Cook, whomever, they're, they're going to go as far as Aaron Rodgers takes them. And I, I think he will end up being his own worst enemy this season. Listen, uh, it was like last year with Hard Knocks, right? Hard Knocks made everybody love Dan Campbell last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason I don't like Hard Knocks is I kind of have always liked Robert Sala. Yeah. I didn't realize he's like a he's a real corny dude. <laughs> yeah. Big cornball. Yeah. He, yeah, every yeah, time yeah. he talks, yeah. I'm like, th- that's not what you look like. You don't look like the guy that says yeah. the kind of weird stuff that comes out of your mouth. What is yeah. happening? Yeah. So he's, it's going to do the opposite for Robert Sala. Uh, the only other news today, uh, is there any reason to think anything about Ezekiel Elliott to the Patriots? Uh, I mean, I think, I know that those numbers are always inflated when they're first reported, you know, because they're doing the agents a favor. But they, the number I saw was six million, which is a, a vast overpay for Ezekiel Elliott. Um, to yeah. me, he's he's a close to veteran minimum player. Um, I, it's not that he can't contribute; he certainly can contribute. Um, but I, I, you know, the Patriots are adding that player as opposed to trying to add a DeAndre Hopkins or you know uh, some something with a little bit more dynamism. It tells you a lot about kind of what that offense is going to look like this year. It is going to be, it's going to be the 2021 Browns recipe post Baker injury. Like it's going to be run heavy play action, you know, take as much off the quarterback's plate as possible. All right, put 10 minutes on the clock here and let's go to some questions in the comments. And again, I'm going to take it all the way back to 723 because Les Roach asked this question. Uh, And I want to get to it because I think there's actually a little analysis to go with it. Uh, But Les Roach says, what is the chance that DTR takes the backup spot for the Cleveland Browns by week one? Uh, it really just comes down. I don't. I. I don't think that it really has much to do with how he plays. It really comes down to what the Browns want to do in terms of you know where they see Josh Dobbs. You know, I. You know, if they are uh, sort of set on keeping Dobbs as the backup, then I don't think there's anything he can do, honestly. Uh, but if they're open to the idea of moving on from him, then I think you know. Certainly, he's made a very strong case that I think, you know, he's playing at a level to me that's comparable to anything Josh Dobbs has ever given you. And I think he's a more explosive athlete. So I would be comfortable with them making that switch. I understand why they might want to wait one more season to do it. I also think that it's very important to bring up the fact that the NFL changed the rules here. And and so I don't think this conversation matters all this much this year. I think Josh Dobbs is your backup unless something weird happens. But again, remember the NFL is going to allow you to dress three quarterbacks. Uh, and so DTR or, or have three active quarterbacks. So yeah, I just, I, to me, it does like if the, the number one reason to only carry two quarterbacks is because it frees up a roster spot that hasn't changed. This rule change hasn't, fi- hasn't addressed that. Right. Part, right. So if, if they have a, a, a log jam at defensive line or wide receiver or whatever, and they need to resolve that a different way, one of the ways you resolve that is by cutting Dobbs and putting him on the practice squad, which they can do. Yeah, in the event, I, I just, I feel, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see them with three quarterbacks uh, and say we're not going to 
uh, allow either one of these guys to get off this team. Uh, because I think they do. I think it says something that they made a point, like first thing, go, go back and get Josh Dobbs and bring him back here. Uh, yeah. And I think they trust him. I think they trust him on the practice field. I think they trust him uh, running the offense if he needs to. Uh, and, and I don't know, you know, I, again, let's not go too high or low. I love the excitement about DTR. I love what we've seen out of DTR. And we've seen some incredible poise out of this kid for coming out of nowhere in the draft to the Cleveland Browns. Nobody expected the Browns to take him to two games in, but at the same time, um, I don't think they're asking him to run anything that's overly complex or I think they're just asking him to go up, get, go back there and make the easy play, make the easy read. And he's doing a really good job with it, but I don't know that he's the guy that we're ready to just say, you're the backup now, because if something happens week one, uh, I think you probably at this point now, maybe next year it's a different situation, but I think you'd be much more comfortable with Josh Dobbs uh, having to come in for a game or two games or whatever than saying here, rookie fifth round guy that's supposed to be developmental go take the reins yeah i, I can say never way, so i wouldn't be surprised either way uh next question comes from broken arrow any thoughts on uh the fact that the cleveland browns signed jordan wilkins former indianapolis colt uh obviously there's some injuries jerome ford out currently and so yeah. they bring in jordan wilkins thoughts on jordan wilkins uh you know i think he's a pretty I, I mean, I to me, it's he's another version of John Kelly. I think he's in that same mold. I don't see him as much more explosive or you know uh, versatile, special than that. Uh, he's certainly not like a home run hitting type back. Um, I continue to be kind of you know not super worried about any of this because I think the Browns have kind of shown that they can get good running production out of running backs that aren't you know, really highly thought of around the league. I mean, we, we, we loved Dearness Johnson for as long as he was in Cleveland. He, he didn't get us. It's not like anybody's got a starting job for him. He's a, he's a backup in Jacksonville now. Yeah. And then, and then they drafted tank Bigsby. So he's like the third string, right? He's, he's in the same position there. He right back here. in the so, same spot. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think we know statistically at this point that like running the running game is largely a, a product of the offensive line and your, and your offensive scheme more generally. So I think Wilkins probably has as good a chance as Kelly or Felton of getting what's blocked. Um, I think Felton's probably a little more explosive and elusive, uh, but I think Wilkins is, is more reliable and certainly has a, a larger track record of doing it in the NFL. You know, you start to talk about things like ball security, right? You're talking about pass protection, things like this that matter to NFL teams, but aren't are harder for us to analyze. I, I don't, I couldn't tell you how good of a pass protector Jordan Wilkins is. I think right. the fact that they added somebody like Wilkins rather than somebody like Cook or Elliott at that level of the market tells you that they're comfortable with Ford coming back and picking between Wilkins, Felton, Kelly uh, until then, right? Like they, 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 that level of addition is like, it's just, it, to me, it's another body in the room, which is great. That's what they needed. Yeah. And, and listen, uh, the other thing that makes me very comfortable is, you know, depending on who makes this final roster, I think the Browns are showing you even in uh, these preseason games that they're going to get creative as to who goes into the backfield. Uh, yeah. You're going to see Elijah Moore in the backfield. Yep. Uh, Demetric Felton has all of a sudden emerged as a guy. And again, I think sometimes we just are too quick to judge guys. Sometimes guys have to take a couple of years to develop their well, game. And I mean, they but, really did him no favors. And 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 I think in retrospect, made a made a mistake moving him to wide receiver. I think they had to, given what they had yeah. at the position. But um, 
he, he's a running back clearly i mean the way all of a sudden he's it's it's yeah all, all of a sudden he's back in the mix and i think a lot of us would be like hey if he stays in the in on the on the roster as a one of the backups we're happy with that um yeah. but it also depends you know i again i think you're going to see him get creative uh like you see with elijah moore uh, if a guy like Jakeem Grant makes the team, that's another guy that can get involved in the game out of the backfield because he's just a playmaker with the ball in his hands. So I think there's a lot of things that they can do that, you know, I don't, I think we're so accustomed to Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and that is boom, one, two, thunder and lightning, you know, situation where I don't know that it's going to, I don't know it's going to be that way. Uh, there's a new name for your cat and I am, we're keeping this forever. It's Meowls Garrett. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Big G. Thank you, Big G. Uh, uh, let's see. What else was there as far as questions? Um, oh, here is the one. Uh, bronze said like a true Steelers fan. Bronze. Uh, what's your biggest concern? I'm just joking with you. I would never call you that, by the way. Bronze. Yeah. Uh, what's your biggest concern heading into the season, Andrew? We've well, this. I'm really interested in this because you and I have just done this all off season. Yeah. And forever it was the wide receivers. Well, they went yeah. out and addressed wide receivers, and then it was the defensive tackle room. And, and man, man, if they address that, yeah. uh, so now, what's yeah. the biggest concern? Uh, I mean, I think it still has to be. You know, it, it's the it's the thing that we've talked about all off season, going back into last season, was is Kevin Stefanski the coach to get the most out of Deshaun Watson? And I, I think. You know, the early returns to the preseason, the things that we're hearing, it's all the stuff that you wanted to hear, the the stuff that we saw in, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame game and then, and the you know, last week against Washington. All of the signs are pointed in the right direction, but as I've said the entire time, until you see it against the Bengals in September, you just, you can't know for sure. So, yeah, to me, that's the remains the number one question you know Deshaun Watson to be worth the contract that the Browns gave him has to play like a top 10 quarterback it's as simple as that and it, it the the reality of the economics of his contract are such that if he doesn't do that this year it's not go find another quarterback it's go find another coach to make the quarterback work and I don't want to go through that we've talked about this a lot through the offseason neither one of us wants to see Jimmy Haslam try and figure out how to hire a head coach again like no it's, you know, it's like watching a dog try to put on shoes. It's not fun. So <laughs> we're, we, as Browns fans, all should be united in expecting and hoping that their offense lives up to what we think it can be, because that's the path forward for this team, given how much money, you know, and all the draft picks they spent on Deshaun Watson. So uh, I, I guess it's, it's not a concern in the sense that I don't think it's going to happen. It's just, that's the only thing. It's not the only thing that matters, but it matters more than everything else. Yeah, listen, and and I I think I'm at the point we've we've talked about the rosters enough. We've we've done it for years. This roster, oh Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and this roster, and and then last year the roster. And the roster is great. It is. It's an elite yeah. roster. It is. It's an elite roster, especially factoring in the guys they added this on. So Darius Smith, are you kidding me? <laughs> like. And Okoronkwo, and like when you factor in what they added this offseason, it's it's elite. You know what my biggest concern going into the season is? I it it, it takes everything to destroy a losing culture in an organization. Yeah. Yep. It takes everything. It doesn't just take good players. 
Right. It doesn't just take good coaches. It doesn't just take good GMs and good owners and all that other stuff. It doesn't take all that. It takes literally everything. It takes the ball finally bouncing your way. It takes the lucky place to actually happen on your side. All the stuff has to happen. Just like we talk about, well, I know we hate talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're talking about a team that hasn't had a losing season in like a generation. Right. Why? It's not always that they have the greatest roster. Shit, look at last year. <laughs> it's It takes everything to break a great culture, but it's the same thing on the other side. It takes everything to break a crappy losing culture, and they've got to get it all right. And I don't know. I don't I don't know that I've ever felt like this has to be it yeah. more than I do this year. Right. Yeah. Like I feel like if we get to the end of this year and they're six and eleven, like that dopey guy predicted on NFL network, <laughs> I'm gonna be lost. I'm gonna be lost yeah. and I'm gonna think, well, we're never I don't I don't know. And I'm the eternal optimist, but it might be the first time in my life where I'm like, it's we're never getting better. Yeah. yeah. It's you've yeah. got to do everything right this year. That's my biggest concern is can they can they not over only leap over the hurdles that a normal football team has to leap over, but can they leap over the ones that you've built over 25 years of being the worst culture in the NFL to finally break that and just boom, take off? Yeah, that's my concern. You know, Mike, that's that is definitely the 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 sort of the script to get them out of this. The other way to get out of that funk is to be so good that the little stuff doesn't matter, right? And that's that's, that's right. the you know when like when we talk about the Chiefs, one of the reasons the Chiefs are the Chiefs is because they can spot teams twenty points and win. That's right? it, and and that's because they're so much better than everybody else. So I don't, I'm not saying the Browns' offense has to be the Chiefs' offense. What I'm saying is, combined as a team, can you play so well? That you can have a bounce go against you, or a call go against you, or a, you know, a a, a, a blown coverage, and still come come back from that. And that's what we, you know, what we haven't seen over the past two years since that pretty lucky 2020 season. Honestly, is uh, we haven't seen them absorb a body blow in a game and then come back and win that game. That has not been in their repertoire, and they need to they need to bring that back. And that's a great, I love that. And it, it goes into, uh, you know, I just finished watching the quarterback show on Netflix. Yeah. Even if you're going to turn into a good organization, are you going to be the Vikings or are you going to be the Chiefs? Right. Because the Vikings can't overcome all that stuff. Right. But the Chiefs can. How do you do it? So, yeah, listen, I'm excited. A gr another great week coming up on the OBR streaming network. We're going to get out of here for tonight. We love you guys for joining us. Make sure you stay tuned to all the shows going on on the streaming network this week. Tomorrow night, 9 p.m., come back and hang out with me, Chad, Joey. Grab some beers. Grab whatever you want to drink. Hang out with us. It's one of our favorite episodes, Browns fans. Come hang with us. We got Cameron Justice on from Channel 5 in Cleveland, uh, and she is going to be playing the Browns schedule game with us. We've done it. This is the fourth time we've done it with her. First time we did it was 2020, and we nailed it. It's not been so good the last two years. So let's see what we come <laughs> up with for the Browns schedule game, 9 p.m., Tomorrow night, uh, I hope you guys all find a way to join us with Cameron Justice on the Garage Beers podcast here on the OBR Streaming Network. Wednesday, we've got OBR Weekly with Fred and Barry. There will be a lot more stuff coming out from Philly. We'll catch up with all of that. Uh, and then Thursday, All Eyes on Cleveland with Brad Ward 
all leading up again to next weekend uh, where we do the preseason game with Philadelphia. A lot more stuff to talk about. So, again, huge thank you to all of you that joined us. The comments were great, as they always are. Thanks again for the gifted subs that went out there. Philly, uh, thank you for the gifted sub. Uh, and, and we really appreciate you guys for the questions, the comments, and just having a good time with us. Huge thank you to Ian McBride in the background, just making us look good, putting up the graphics, getting us on the air. Shout out to Ian. He always does a great job, uh, and that is going to do it for us. So make sure you get subscribed to the OBR's website. Make sure you stay tuned to the streaming network. And until next week, he is Andrew. I am Michael. We'll see you then. Cheers. Go Browns, everybody. See you guys. Woo. Oh, my God. Meow. Meows, Garrett. Meows, that was Garrett. amazing. Here to sack you. <laughs>